0: Welcome to the Turtle Tracks podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with Renee Jacobs, the original voice of April O'Neill. How how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Brian?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. This is fun.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I've been talking to a lot of the voice actors from that show, and uh, I just really would feel incomplete if it didn't have you in there, too. So I really appreciate you doing this.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. I, I I mean, I would agree with you. It's incomplete without April O'Neill. Of course, but you know, uh, thank you. I appreciate oh, it sure.
0: No, um so boy, I don't know where to get started. I guess it makes sense to start right at the beginning. So, uh, I mean, how did you get your start in acting?
1: Uh, well, i um I got my start in acting in my basement in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, performing for all my stuffed animals. I would line them all up on the couch and um, actually mimic all of the voices from a lot of the um, the shows that I was watching and uh, movies um, from Chippendale and uh, uh, The Seven Dwarves and uh, Winnie the Pooh and all of those wonderful cartoons I would uh reenact them for my stuffed animals and my mom discovered me once uh down in the basement and couldn't figure out who else was down there with me. <laughs> and um realized that I could do I I could do some of these voices and um found an outlet for me. There was a woman who um who was kind of a precursor to Sesame Street and Romper Room, if you know Romper Room, Um, and she had a television show on the Michigan State University channel, and it was puppetry and make-believe, and she gave classes to the kids. So my mom signed me up. Um, She taught us how to open up the back of our favorite stuffed animal and create a puppet, and uh, worked with us on voices and after the course was over at the old age of seven years old she said you know renee's really good and i'd like her to come and be on the show with me so i performed voices on the show starting at seven years old and and then we kind of um she took a small group of kids that were talented and we visited schools and we taught the kids how to make puppets and um, it was. I started really early, and then I was, of course, uh, so excited when I was introduced to theater. Um, I think I was about eight years old when my parents took me to see the a, a musical called "The Most Happy Fella," and that was it. That was it for me. So, voiceover was the beginning, um, and after you know, after the many years in voiceover at the age of eight. I became enamored with um, theater, and that was really my passion for many, many years, um, musical theater and opera. Um, and, uh, and I did voiceover along the way, interestingly. Um, I did the voiceovers for a uh, theme park called Knott's Berry Farm, and there was a, a, a gypsy camp and there were all these puppets that um, one of my teachers actually created, and he knew that I could do voices, so I started recording voices for Knott's Berry Farm and doing their rides and doing, you know, puppets and things. And uh, ended up circling back to voiceover when I returned to California, and um, my agent asked me if I could do any voices, and I pulled all those characters from the basement out. And um, started doing them. And he, he said, you know what? You can do this. And, and that was the beginning of my, my voiceover work here in Los Angeles.
0: Do you remember your favorite one to imitate as a kid?
1: Well, it would have to be the probably the, the the, the what are they? The Mushkins from Wizard of Oz. Oh, the Yellow Brick Road. Oh, the Yellow Brick Road. Oh, the Yellow Brick Road. So, you know, that was Wizard of Oz is like the best, the best ever. So, um, in fact, it's so funny. Um, I was traveling with my husband one year in Italy and we had jet lag big time. Couldn't sleep for days. And one night we turned on the TV and there was Wizard of Oz in Italian. So I turned the sound off and did the whole movie, every line. Um, (laughs) it, It was really fun. So, uh, yeah, Wizard of Oz, huge impact on my life. Absolutely. Even did I even played the part of Dorothy. In, um, I was in a, a children's theater troupe and played the part of Dorothy.
0: Oh, very cool. I, I Even when I watch it now and I've seen it 100 times, I mean, Bert Lahr and, oh, the name, the name escapes me, but the guy who played the wizard, I just every time they make me laugh, literally every time. Frank
1: Morgan! Frank Morgan! Yes, I'm sorry.
0: Okay, yes, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's the best. Yeah, and I and I always talk about that. I mean, my favorite line to ever say is "Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain," because that's like there's so many people that will say one thing and do another. Yeah. So yeah. that's there's so many lines from Wizard of Oz that just stick with you, you know.
0: I love uh, when he's explaining how the hot air balloon b- works, and he says,
1: "Oh yeah,
0: it's completely unexplainable," and it's clearly he just doesn't know how it works. <laughs> 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 it's so funny
1: character every character in that movie uh made a profound effect on me every character and i and i kind of uh it's kind of my life theory you know there's no place like home you can go out and be adventurous and um and uh but it's very important to uh to know where your heart is and know where your home is and and i love that movie it's my favorite
0: yeah I don't know how anybody couldn't. Uh, so when you were in California, what was your first um, voiceover work that you did?
1: Ah, well, um, I did a number of um, recordings for toys to begin with. So I don't know if you know of a toy called Tuddy Ruxpin. Yes, he was, yes, yes. Teddy, yes. Teddy Ruxpin, he was a bear, and he had a cassette tape inside him. Mm-hmm. And when you played it, not only did the, voices, the voice come out, but it moved. It was like automatronics, kind of like you know, when Disney first came out with um, the Tiki room, you know, mm-hmm. the birds yeah. singing and the flowers crooning. So he, he had uh, automatronics in him. But I didn't do Teddy, but I did um, uh, uh, voices on a for another beautiful stuffed animal called Mother Goose. And she was stunning. She was probably about uh, 18 inches tall and, and probably about the same wa- uh, length. She was gorgeous. And it came with a book and the tape and her her mouth would move. And then we would do, I didn't do Mother Goose, but I did a lot of the other um, characters on that. And then there was another one um, called The Land of Pleasant Dreams. And mm-hmm. the, I played a bear and a lamb and, you know, Always little creatures. Um, <laughs> but the first on uh, first television special or voiceover was Rose Petal Place with Marie Osmond. And um, there were two specials. Um, Hasbro, I think, did the toys. And uh, there was a float in the Thanksgiving Day Parade um, one of the years. I'm not sure why it didn't go further. It was a beautiful, beautiful animation. People should look it up. I played a character called Orchid. Everybody was a flower or a bug. Uh, Frank Welker played Petey Centipede. Um, and, um, and I played a character called Orchid. And she said her favorite line was, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. <laughs> and then for everything, there mu- uh, let's see, At, for every place there's a thing and for everything there's a place. So that was her. She she very, like with Frank Welker. She, I mean: Oh my God, he was he's wonderful, he's kind, he's giving, he's sweet, he's generous and the most talented. you know I mean, how lucky was I to work with Frank? Um, um, unbelievable. I worked with him on another show called uh, San, uh, "Don Quixote and Sancho Panda" at hanna barbera
0: um, Who are you in that?
1: Oh, I played some French princess.
0: (laughs) Were you rescued (laughs) by Don Quixote?
1: I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: great. (laughs) And for anybody who doesn't know who Frank Welker is, please, like, the man's done most of a thousand cartoon voices, especially animals, so he's an amazing talent. Yes,
1: yes, 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 so fun. There's a great YouTube video Mm -hmm. of him. Uh, barking but into a trash can and it's it's absolutely hysterical and he's spot on it's i mean the the reverberation from the trash can the way it sounds i mean you'd swear it was a dog he's amazing he's doing george you know he does the voice of george in curious george
0: oh for right? sure he yeah, also that, did a boo and, and a million other things oh a million things a yeah. million things uh so how do you remember uh what it was like uh first auditioning for turtles
1: Absolutely, hard to forget. Um when your agent calls you and says you've got an audition in the Valley at this studio for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you go what? <laughs> I, he's called I don't know, he says it's something with turtles and uh they want to hear you. Okay. I'd never heard of it before. So uh drive on t- out to the Valley to audition. Um Stu Rosen was the director at the time. And there were probably 80 women waiting outside (laughs) to audition. I assure you there were many, many more that I didn't see. And um, he directed me. And he was very, um, Stu was very gruff. He was really sweet uh, out of the business, you know, away from the recording studio. But in the booth, um, he was difficult. And so, um, you know, he's directing you and he's not liking anything you're doing and uh he said okay goodbye so out the door i went went okay i don't think i'm getting that um and then about a week or so later i get a call from my agent you've got the part and um you know again we didn't it was only going to be a five part mini series hey i'm happy for any work at all um show up to the studio and there's the most talented group of people i've ever met on the planet in that recording studio and um yeah it was it was amazing it was it was we all kind of walked into it not knowing what this was going to be and I don't think anybody had an idea of what Turtles was going to end up doing not a clue five part sell toys (laughs) bye-bye sure (laughs) yeah so,
0: what were the uh I mean the recording sessions like? I know back in the day, uh you like unlike cartoons now, you all would pretty much record together, is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh in my humble opinion, I think that so much is lost by doing it individually. Um I guess it has to do with money and timing and calendar, I don't know. But the secret sauce to Ninja Turtles was recording all at once. And the amazing repartee that went on between the turtles behind the microphone. I don't think that it would have been as successful if we had recorded individually. Because many of the lines that are classic and that people share with their children now um, were created by those guys. Most uh, creative, the ad-libbing, the wisecracks, the development of the characters... They played off each other. Um, I was the straight person. I was like the George Burns to their Gracie Allens. Um, and um, uh, it was magic. It was absolute magic. And pandemonium at times. You know, th- somebody would do something and we'd and we'd go off on a tangent. And then the, behind the booth, they'd go, okay, come on back to the movie. Stu- you know, come back to the studio, everybody. Um, it, I describe it like... Um, your parents drop off a bunch of kids in the playground and they say, you see that sandbox over there, you know, don't go in it. But if you do go in it, don't throw the sand. Well, that's the first thing you're going to go do. Right. And not only that, but you're going to throw the sand. And and that's what it was. It was pure joy. And how do you accomplish that by yourself in a booth? I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm revisiting the series a lot lately with my my five-year-old daughter and the parts that like, And I'm surprised that she gets it. But the parts that make her hysterical laugh is when they break the fourth wall or somebody will say something about, um, you know, uh, how this is an episode or like, uh, we've got to finish this before the episode's over or something like that. And they'll break the fourth wall. And she's hysterical about the fact the characters in it know it's an episode. I'm guessing a lot of that came from the kind of in the moment silliness.
1: A lot of it did. A lot of it did. And then once the guys kind of um, found their way, the writers would. You know put in some of that but then the guys really took it from there. Um, there were times when it's like every Every season they would come, you know, talk to us and they'd say okay this year we're going darker. They want it darker What the heck? What do you mean you want it darker? The beauty of this is the comedy and the multi layers of comedy the kids get it the adults get it They can share it with each other so uh, if you pay attention to say the third season onward and you watch the first few episodes you'll probably see that it's darker less wisecracking less goofing around by the sixth episode of each season those guys have they've gone they've gone off the rails again (laughs) and we were thrilled to do and every year we come back okay it's going to be Tougher it's gonna be darker. We don't want the goofing around like okay. Here we go again um Again, I think that the longevity of the show has to do with the humor anybody can be batman You know anybody can be dark and what do kids need darkness for right? Look at what we're going through now with this COVID stuff. I mean talk about dark and scary The boogeyman is on our doorstep, you know. And to make dark, evil, scary cartoons—I mean, I, I just I, okay. But I don't. I don't. Not for turtles. Not for me.
0: And when they finally did that in the last like two seasons or so, it was—it had no life in it. It was just dull.
1: Yeah, they squeezed us enough. They threatened yeah. us enough. They didn't know what they didn't know they didn't know what they had. They didn't know what they had. I don't know where the pressure was coming from. I don't know if it was the writers or the directors or the producers or the, or the station, you know, the, 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 the the network. I really don't know where it was coming from because it wasn't from us. We fought it.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, and it's like up until that certain point, like it, it, it stays silly and weird. And then, yeah, it dramatically turns dark and it's like there's just it's boring. It's not it's not even like oh like Batman can be dramatic and dark and all that other business, but when you did it with the turtles in that those final couple seasons, it was just like, all right, where's the where's the jokes? Where's the pizza? Yeah. So.
1: Right, right. Well, it they got it squished.
0: <laughs> so I'm curious. I've talked to most of uh the turtles except for except for uh, Barry Gordon so far. Um but I'm I'm curious from your perspective, what were each of them like? behind the the camera like did they reflect their characters any or, or no i'm just curious what they were like
1: yeah uh, well we all embody our characters we're actors we all take some of our our um our co- our soul and put it into our characters even if they're you know butterflies but um yeah um barry was actually studying for he was in law school at the time That we were recording and he was studying uh, And he would look up exactly at the right time say his line and go back to his book (laughs) So in a way kind of donatello, you know bookish studying Um, Rob uh, Wisecracks are us, you know, that's that rob Um, Biggest heart in the world. Uh, so talented Uh, townsend uh, Brought the wonderful goofy michelangelo and, and Cam, you know, that, that kind of tried and true, you know, Dudley do right kind of character, um, you know, of course they're not the turtles, sure. but, um, to me, they kind of embody that. Yeah. You know, I look at them and I look at them as those kinds of hearts and characters and souls. Um, they're, they're, they're dimensional people and they're highly talented, but I can tell you they're. Kind and generous and giving, and are there for you in a heartbeat should you need um, rescuing, like April always did.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a question I have for you. So, like April, I mean, looking back, it seems like April's uh, she's kind of stuck in between two times where she's constantly the damsel in distress, but also like a tough character in a number of ways that was kind of breakthrough in its in its own way back in nineteen eighty nine or whatever, like. I'm curious about that dynamic because it, it, I mean, what was it like being April in that way?
1: Oh, it was great. Um, You're, you, you, you know, you, 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 you completely got her character. Even when she was taken away, she wasn't scared. No. She was like, put me down, you big ape. You know, she's like, here we go again. You know, yeah. and, 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 uh, you know, she always knew that if, that the turtles would come or she could get out of it. She was never scared. Um, She was just, you know, a bit frustrated. Um, I mean, there were times where they wrote her, you know, screaming once in a while, but, but in her heart, she knew she'd be fine. (laughs) And it it was great being a real person and not a butterfly or a, a, a fairy or, you know, it was a, it was the first role that I had that played a human being. Most cartoons are not human beings and the turtles aren't human beings, but it was, it was really nice. Um, and um, I always felt like I was responsible for um, portraying a character that could in, uh, inspire young girls to be more, do more. Um, and in fact, a lot of times during comic cons, I'll have women come up for my autograph and they'll say, you know, if not for April, um, I wouldn't have joined the military or I wouldn't have, um, uh, pursued my dreams. Um, I had, I grew up with all brothers, so I watched Ninja Turtles and, you know, April was strong. She, she held her ground and it gave me strength to deal with my brothers who were teasing me or beating on me or whatever. Um, and I've had a, a lot of um, young women who may have learning disabilities, um, dyslexia, uh, maybe a little touch of autism. And they also say, if not for April and if not for the turtles, I don't know if I'd be alive today. So it's, it's pretty profound. Um, you think that, oh, we're just signing autographs. No, th- this show had an effect on people that we as a cast didn't even know until years later when we started meeting our fans um so it's it's such a joy and an honor to um to meet people who still want to meet us and um we mean something too uh it, it's it's mutual admiration between us and the fans it's it's just great
0: you know, I'm curious. Did did you base April on anybody when you were uh, when you were developing the character? Do you recall? Yeah.
1: Me. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I you know, I you know, people don't ask me, but um, I've lived all over the world. I studied in London. I lived in New York in the 80s when um, I literally had to carry an umbrella, one of those little ones that had a button. So mm-hmm. um if I were out and it was dangerous, I'd push the button and it would scare the person who was uh, threatening. Um, New York was very dangerous. Um, And, um, uh, and it didn't, it, it, you know what? I'm four foot 10 and I, I weighed a lot less than I do now, but nobody stopped me. And so when I had the opportunity to do um, April, um, I really dug down and, and um, a lot of her was me. And then, of course, you know, the broadcaster part, there were women on television as reporters, not very many, not like now, but um, I emulated them as well.
0: Very cool. You know, uh, I'm curious, back to behind the scenes a little bit. What was it like? Uh, as Sue Blue is kind of a legendary recording voice. I'm curious what, what she was like behind the scenes working with her.
1: So Sue, this was her first directing gig, um, behind the glass. She, uh, I worked with her on Rose Petal Place. Um, and I worked with her on a few other projects that I can't quite remember, but as a voiceover actor. And then, um, Stu Rosen was our director and there was a falling out, um, pretty quickly, um, between him and the, um, director. There was a, uh, voiceover strike that was occurring and um, James Avery couldn't make one of the recording sessions. Um, I don't think he had gotten fresh prints at that point, but um, he couldn't make a session. So Stu, I guess on his own, booked time and got the part recorded, thought that they would appreciate that and apparently not. So he lost the job and I'm not quite sure how Sue, um, was brought in. She'd probably been, um, putting the feelers out, uh, to direct and, um, you know, they weren't paying more than, uh, scale. And I assure you, I'm sure Sue didn't get paid very much, um, because they were cheap. So, um, Um, And then there was a lot going on in the booth. There was a lot of pressure. It was Sue's first gig Um, The the producers were they weren't warm and fuzzy Um, and so um, Sue didn't really come into The booth and interact with us as actors. She wore the director hat and um, And I think it was pretty rough in the booth in terms of stress so We didn't, we didn't, you know, in the past as a cast, we would have all been together and, you know, played in the sandbox. And because Sue was now the director instead of a voiceover actor, she couldn't come into the sandbox anymore.
0: Oh, that must be hard transition for sure.
1: Um, Yeah. But you know what? She's become such a tour de force, uh, not only as an actress, but as a, a teacher and a director and, um, you know, that's how you get your chops, you know, you know, the first job, the first equity paying job act- actors equity is a theater, you know, the theater union. Uh, the first jo- job I took to get my actors equity was backstage. And I had actors make me not only wash their underwear, but iron their underwear. What? Yeah. I can't But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was nuts. Um, but I got my equity card. So sometimes you just, you know, got to iron the underwear to get what you need. Not more than iron the underwear, but just iron
0: the underwear. Jeez, Wow. That's <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> favorite catchphrases as being April or anything. I mean, I, I'm sure you had to do a lot of. Strip, yeah. But
1: yeah. 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 So um, I already did it. Put me down, you big ape. <laughs> and yeah. this is April O'Neill, channel six news.
0: That's great. No. Um, uh, before I let you go, I wanted, I thought this would be a little bit fun. I sent you uh, an image or a handful of images from some of the old school Ninja Turtles toys. I'm curious about mm-hmm. your reactions mm-hmm. to them. Uh, I oh. think the fans will know what we're talking about. Um, okay,
1: let, let me get that up here again. Sure, okay, yeah. so the first one you're showing me is pretty funny. It's a blue dinosaur. Yeah. With a Ninja Turtle green uh eye band and um <laughs> knee pads shell knee pads yeah and uh and it and it's got a um a saddle and then april is wearing a uh animal print uh i don't know what you'd call that it has no 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 legs no arms it looks like a bathing suit but it's not
0: It's kind and of a thing yeah.
1: yeah 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 and then she's got some weird uh like she's got green uh turtle shell knee pads and she's got some kind of a thing with with spikes on it and headband. So, you know what? I it's very interesting about this. So, you know, at first look you go what the hell? But um I was doing a Comic-Con in San Bernardino and this woman Uh, Was sitting at a booth across from me, and she was uh, with a comic artist. And she came up to me and said, "Do you know who the real April O'Neil is?" I said, "Yeah, me." She goes, "No, not you." And she said, "The real April O'Neil was um, Kevin Eastman's either first wife or girlfriend." And she pulled and she pulled out a comic book. That was a Turtles comic book, and this is exactly how April looked. She had on that same outfit. (laughs) Now, I don't know about the dinosaur, but the comic book had April, and it had this woman as April's best friend, not Irma, but as her best friend. And, and, And yeah, so that was something new I'd never heard before. So that's, a, I don't know if that is a, a a nod to that comic book. Why don't you look, you know, look it up.
0: It if might she, be. And it, it, there's a lot of uh, the original Mirage artists did a lot of those. I mean, there was some really crazy. I mean, did you have any thought? I'm sure you have probably signed the one a million times, but the very first April figure, I'm curious if you had any. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That.
1: yeah. Oh, um, she was a little bulky. Not yeah. as bulky as later. Um, Yeah. <laughs> I even have the original toys in package, new in package, new in package. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah. But I thought she was fine. She, you know, she was a little stiff, but yeah. and not as thin as I would have liked her. But um, yeah, she was good. She had a camcorder and a turtle com, and she was, she was good. I, you know, again, thrilled to do the, do the work. And uh, the more toys meant the more work I got.
0: Yeah, they redid her head a little bit later, so she looked a little bit better. Yeah.
1: And lit. then this one's really strange. Universal Studios.
0: Oh, yeah. Wor- uh, she was the bride the of Frankenstein. Bride, bride
1: of thi- <laughs> Explain that to me. In a yellow jump dress. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, a, I think <laughs> it's, a, it's got pants, too. It's half dress, half jumpsuit. With That's bizarre. I don't get it. What the hell was that?
0: I, it was some marketing thing with Universal where every turtle was a uh, crossed over with a monster.
1: Oh, yeah. You know,
0: yeah. that's
1: interesting because now everything's a crossover, right? Oh, yeah. So this is kind of the beginning of crossovers. I don't remember crossovers back then. So this is Bride of Frankenstein, April. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh my the last God. one I wanted to get your opinion of, and this one's sort of notorious for kind of being inappropriate for a kid's toy, was April the Ravishing Reporter, which is kind of... Oh,
1: no! The one with the dew?
0: Yeah, and the, and the, purple, the bustier, yeah.
1: The purple bustier, the, the black miniskirt, and the green underwear. What is that? Green leggings? Green bicycle shorts? I don't know. <laughs> the The... the What's interesting is that the image, the artwork on the package, she looks okay, you know. Yeah. She kind of she looks like the doll has is on drugs. I mean, that <laughs> She's working the streets. I think she's not just reporting. I think she's doing the news. Excuse me. I didn't mean that. Yeah, that's that's a weird one. And yeah. she's got high heels. High heels and she has does she have break uh, ankle bracelets?
0: Yeah, oh, I think she does. Yes, wow, that's good detail. Yeah, well,
1: this is this is this is the crossover. This is Hooker April, <laughs> and oh, she films. She films whatever she's doing. She's filming it because she has a purple c- camcorder. Yeah. No, that's sick. So, do no, you know. <laughs> no wonder boys, young men, old men come up to me now and say, You're my first girlfriend. It's like, Woo!
0: okay, yeah, now okay.
1: I see why. Now I see why.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you returned uh once in the 2012 cartoon. I'm curious if that was well, I that,
1: what I did. Oh, well, that was great. Um, I got to record with Andrea Romano, who is wonderful. Um, I wished I had been able to work with her more. She's she's really quite talented and, and very kind. Um, it was by myself in a booth. So I didn't get to see Rob. And I mm. didn't get to see Sean. And I didn't get to see any of the guys that were doing the Turtles. Um, so not as fun, you know. But, oh, my God, great to be back. And Nickelodeon Studios is fantastic, and so much fun. And um, the booths was was beautiful. You know, I got I had to go back a number of times because they lay down the script, then they send it for animation. So then they come back, they've had changes, and they show you like line drawings, animated line drawings, and then you put in the new lines, and then, um, and then more animation, and then you come back again. And they have you do things differently because now the animation is in a certain, done so differently. But, you know, anything to do with Ninja Turtles, I'm thrilled to be associated with. It was, it was great.
0: Yeah, it's too bad they didn't include April in the, uh, the crossovers they did. I'm still holding out hope that maybe they'll find a way to bring her back at some point.
1: You know, that would have been great. They, I know they did the guys. Yeah. You know. I don't know, maybe they just didn't think about it. You know, I, I never met Meg Whitman. I, uh, I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I didn't really watch that show. So sorry. No, um, <laughs> so I really don't know the carrot, what April was like on that show.
0: She was a kid in that show. She was, she was like the same age as, if not younger than the turtles. So the, it was a,
1: right. Age, right. Yeah. But I wonder how, you know, if April O'Neil in the future would have, if the, if they way play, they played April O'Neil, you know, I don't know what to say. Anyway, I was thrilled to be associated with it in any way. I would have loved to have been on every single episode, just like I was on the original <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: You know, my last question for you, um, and I don't know if you're going to decline this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, who was your favorite turtle?
1: That's my answer.
0: Got it. That's, that's <laughs> fine. I, I, I thought I might get as much. So.
1: <laughs> How can you absolutely ask ask that question? How can you do that? When well, I love I them everybody,
0: all. And uh, I thought April's would be especially interesting if you, you know, but I didn't expect it. There's
1: actually. no way that this April could have a favorite turtle. When I was blessed to be with the most wonderful Creative, kind, loving, talented friends that one could ever and we're still you know we're friends, and we we I couldn't love one over the other. I know them all, and I love them for all their different uh personalities and attributes and but they're just the best and to say, I liked one more over the other because I actually think that they embody the turtles. So to say I like, I, I, I like one over the other would be, it would, you know, how do you, how do you say that? It's not, it's not possible.
0: You know, as a fan, uh, that's some of the things that's been so, kind of so cool over the last X number of years, especially as, as more of you have done the, the kind of convention circuit and all that uh, seeing you guys interact on a regular basis at uh, conventions and uh, online signings and things like that. It's been really cool to see that, you know, as opposed to so many other shows where maybe they really hated each other behind the scenes that you got, that the a lot of you really were friends with each other, which is really cool to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have so much fun from time to time. We get together in Cam's living room and we do, we sing. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, we've sung, um, you know, usually like we sang um, a song for Kermit for his birthday. Uh, mm-hmm. We did um, It Isn't Easy Being Green and we did um we started with um a, a Thanksgiving or Halloween. We did um that we did Christmas, we did we're dreaming of a green Christmas. Um you should look it up. It's on Cam's uh Facebook page. Oh
0: very really well I will
1: it's it's and you can see how much we really and Peter Renaday um joins us, which is great. You know, Peter doesn't come out to the cons very much. Um and uh, so he joins us and he's got the most beautiful whistle you've ever heard oh he, cool he's it's amazing so uh look those up there if you haven't seen them they're super fun and you'll see the interaction we really care about each other and like each other and uh it's a family it's really That's great so
0: cool yeah you know uh, i just want to make sure i i, I wanted to uh, tell the fans that um You'll be doing a, a virtual signing uh, via V-Shout in the near future. Um, so to check out your Instagram uh, and find out about that. Um, and you still want to say something about uh, a, a charity that you're affiliated yes. with? Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. Um, you know, other than doing amazing cartoons like Ninja Turtles and having an effect on people, um, I've always felt that education is the most important thing. And, you know, now more than any time, you can see that education um, can change the world and we need to. So um, over the past few years, I've been raising money for scholarships for students attending the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. It's in Israel. It's a major university. They call it the Harvard of the Middle East. And um, students um, are older. They've served in the military. Most don't have um, parents that can help them pay for tuition and their food and lodging. So, um, it's my joy and my honor to help these students. And, you know, it's a place where Jews and Christians and Muslims study study together in peace. and, And hopefully someday there will be peace. And I think it will come from education and collaboration and working together on the university setting. So... That's my that's my big push right now um, to help people get educated and um, change the world by by being good to each other. So that's my thing. And um, yeah, that's my thing.
0: That's great. And how do people uh, donate if they're interested in doing so? Can they go to the website or?
1: They can. It's A-F-H-U, which stands for American Friends of the Hebrew University. So A-F-H-U dot org. And they can go online. Um, they can also instant messenger me on Facebook and um, I can give them the phone number to the office of the um, local Los Angeles office. And then they can their money will go towards scholarships. And um, yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's really lovely, oh, and no thank way. you for contributing. I appreciate you doing that.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Please, I, I I was once you told me about it. I looked it up, and it seemed like it was a more than worthy cause. So I appreciate you doing that, and I appreciate you talking to me and the fans. And uh, honestly, Renee, thank you. I just really appreciate your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you.
1: And and you too, my dear. I I think that. This has been one of my favorite interviews. I really appreciate your professionalism and your sweetness and not asking me wacky questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had to cross them all off my list. So,
1: <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Would thank you like me to you. do a sign off?
0: Oh yeah, please.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Hold on one second. I have to get ready. <laughs> oh my God. Hey everyone, this is April O'Neil with Brian Van Hooker, and I've had a wonderful time. I hope you have too. You take care now. This is April O'Neill, Channel 6 News. Bye-bye.
0: We better them to be ninja teens.
1: He's a radical
0: Joker. rat. Leonardo leads Donatello's dust machines. That's a fat. Jack. Yeah? Raphael is cool but rude. Give me a break. Michelangelo is a party, party. dude. Party!